As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Allocation Disorder. I am Sam Stasekel, joined as always by my good friend and colleague Paul Tenorio. We've got a good show for you guys today. We're going to talk about quite a few different things. We're going to talk about Gonzalo Pineda. He has officially been hired by Atlanta United as the their fourth head coach ever and third since the start of the 2019 season, which is kind of wild. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about how that move might affect the broader MLS coaching and GM carousel, which looks like it's going to be pretty dang active here coming up we're going to talk about some leagues cup and the whole debate going on around that tournament um and a few other things a few other noteworthy things some transfer data from the last window mls spending some money in ways that other leagues are not which is pretty interesting but paul before we get into any of that how you doing today man how's how's the wide world of soccer treating you these days you know as it always does it lifts you up and a lot of times it smacks you back down um, wow, we, we live the life, my friend. We let's do. Let's, we dive, let's dive deeper on a- that. Anytime, let's, let's put you on the couch. Here. Any anytime, Sam, that I start to get angry over the little annoying things of our job, I remember that I get paid to watch soccer, and I'm like, all right, yeah. I mean, I also huh? have the right words, which which is the hard part. I'm not great <laughs> so at it. After right words, you know that part's hard, but the <laughs> soccer watching part is not. So I'm very fortunate. <laughs> Um, yes, we both are in that way, except for the writing words part. Man. Yeah, that part. What a drag, huh? That part. Oh. Talking, talking words, way better. Way better. As all listeners of Allocation Disorder know, I'm much better at talking words. I don't mispronounce words. I don't, you know... You're mis- doing a great job right now. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> mind blank on what words to pick. <laughs> I don't... I You know, I, I am just... It's Keep easy it going. going. Easy going. Keep it going. You know? You're yeah. doing great. You're yeah. doing great. Not stumbling at all. No. You're killing it. You're I, talking words so good. I'm very... <laughs> <laughs> I'm a good talker of words. Okay, let's move on. All right. Well, we'll see if that holds true for the rest of this show. We'll see if you can improve on your talking words performance or if that's just going to be the level today. Um, anyway, let's talk Let's talk Gonzalo Pineda, uh, former Seattle Sounders assistant, is now the Atlanta United head coach. Uh, he is taking over effective pretty soon he tested positive for covid recently which is why he was not on the bench for the sounders league's cup game the other night against tigres um, but he took the job and was introduced via zoom on thursday um we talked a little bit about this last week i believe um i think that i had broken the news last by the time of recording that that they were interested in looking at him um but what do you make of this hire what do you think it says for atlanta what do you think of pineda what should people know about it I think it's a good hire on the surface, right? 
we we don't know enough, I think, about Pineda as a manager because he's never been the manager, right? So anytime you move up from the assistant seat to the 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 guy in charge, there's a learning curve that happens. I'll 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 look back and say I remember when Chris Armis was an assistant under Jesse Marsh. I heard universally positive things about Chris Armis. So many people I spoke to around Red Bulls thought he was going to be an amazing head coach. He was the connective tissue between the coaching staff and the locker room. Guys loved him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Jesse was also a very good communicator. That first half season, he had a better record than Marsh did. Right. And, and, And it didn't quite work out for Chris Armis, either at Red Bull, neither at Red Bulls nor at Toronto FC. And so, you know, you're going, we're going to learn a little bit more about Gonzalo Pineda from the conversations I've had about Pineda early on. What I've learned is that he was considered kind of the tactical mind in a way behind Brian Schmetzer. I'm not trying to take away too much from Brian Schmetzer because he's won a lot with Seattle, but that, Pineda worked a lot on the tactics. That was yeah, a big part a strong, of what he, he had did. He had a strong voice on that staff. Correct. Right? And yeah. and also I heard that, you know, he is a very headstrong individual, um, which I think is going to be important for him in Atlanta. It's it's a very political club. There are incredibly strong personalities above him and in the locker room as well. Yeah. And so his experience as a Mexico international, started three games in a World Cup, his experience winning a supporter shield as a player in MLS, his experience going to three MLS cups as an assistant coach and winning one of them are all going to be important. And he has to have confidence, but what will it be like when he's the one in the press conference after a tough loss or when Joseph Martinez stomps off the practice field for the first time? We don't know yet. He hasn't had to be the guy there yet. Yeah. And I think political is a good way to put it, right? And the most important constituent might be that guy that you just mentioned, Joseph Martinez. For sure. Right. If you want to look back to the last two coaches in Atlanta and Heinze and in DeBoer, right? The, a big part of the reason why it didn't work out for them was because Joseph wasn't really on board. Right. Like we saw it with DeBoer in his first year in 2019. It wasn't just Joseph that wasn't on board. Right. But some other big personalities in that locker room, they didn't like how Atlanta was set up to play. And they made that known publicly, right? Leandro Gonzalez Perez, I think, came out with some comments. I don't remember if Joseph Martinez did or not. I think he may have, though, right around the All-Star game, right about this point two years ago, basically. After that, they changed how they played. And the results kept coming in. The second half of the season was was quite good um, under DeBoer in 2019. But then you fast forward, right, to Heinze. And we know what happened there with the drama between Joseph and Heinze, where Martinez was barred from training, and there was this whole thing about uh, were they drinking water, were they not drinking water? <laughs> the question is, um, is that more Joseph or more Heinze? Right? Did Heinze identify the yeah. alpha male in the room and say, "I'm going to take you down so that everyone right. knows I'm the alpha," or was that another Joseph-driven? I don't want to say Joseph-driven problem, but certainly we could say that Joseph is not always he's got a big personality yeah he even walked off the field you know with tata the training field he was not easy to deal with tata just knew how to manage the personalities i felt like heinze did the opposite instead of trying to manage joseph he said i'm in charge i'm going to show everyone i'm in charge and he ended up losing that battle that that's what pineda is going to have to figure out how do i manage this guy and right why we call it a manager Now, Seattle has some big players too, right? So it's not like he's walking into this with zero experience. But it's different from when you're the assistant and you can kind of put the arm around a guy, right? Versus when you're the head coach and you got to lay down the law. Um, So how he manages down is going to be really interesting. And then how he manages up, right, to Bocanegra, Carlos Bocanegra and Darren Eels, also going to be fascinating. That was kind of, you know, the managing up didn't go so great with Tata, right? And that's part of the reason maybe well i shouldn't even say that i think he was going to go after they won no matter what but um you know so that's that's going to be fascinating too he's you know he strikes me as a guy first head coaching job younger coach given a good opportunity here um you know a guy that came up through mls as someone who will be a decent team player in that way um with with the front office i would imagine now this is all speculation and just guessing right but we'll see um you know, I think I'm I'm excited for him to get this chance. Uh, I like the fact that he has MLS experience. 
I think it has the potential to be a nice, like, kind of stabilizing. He has the potential to be a nice stabilizing force for Atlanta, which needs some of that. So, I don't know. I'm intrigued. We'll see, though. Like you said, we don't have enough information, really. Yeah, we should point out, you worked under two managers who are known as being man managers, right? Ziggy Schmidt was was known for keeping the locker room relatively happy. I mean, he right. had his, his scuffles, but he coached for a really, really, Every really long time. Yeah. And Brian Schmetzer, definitely known for kind of, you know, he's kind of like the math teacher, but he, he gets along with people he, mm-hmm. and, he, and, he, and they all buy in to the vision, right? They buy in and that's why they're so part of the reason why they're so successful. He didn't um, coach with Ziggy, right? He just played under him, I believe. Correct. Correct. He played yeah. under him. So he, he does have, but he saw how that, how Ziggy approached the locker room from what I was told. You know, he had a good idea of yeah, he was the, there American, for the American yeah. way, right? It, it's different coming up playing in Mexico. It just is. It's different. And it's different in Latin America and South America, you know. And so I think that it's a good blend of a significant chunk of his playing experience comes in Mexico, both on the club level and internationally as well. He understands the pressures that exist in that world. He also has been a big part of a hugely successful MLS franchise. And yeah. when we talk about MLS experience. The most successful. Yeah. What I, what I always say is. Why aren't more teams hiring people out of Seattle and Toronto? Grabbing, trying to get ideas from those clubs who have been successful. It's starting to happen a bit more now, right? Chris mm-hmm. Henderson goes to Miami. Um, you know, there have been, uh, Bez Bachenko went from Toronto, Toronto to, to Columbus. Aust- to, to Columbus, sorry. Come um, on, Paul. Speak good, buddy. You I'm got trying this. to speak good. Pineda now obviously is going to Atlanta. So, Sean Rubio was in Toronto FC in the front office with Bezbachenko. He went to Austin FC. Claudio so, Arena, NYCFC to Austin FC. Yeah, yeah, so you're starting to see some of that movement from the more successful clubs in Seattle and Toronto especially. I think that matters. I think Pineda learned a lot being in that club and in that atmosphere. My mm-hmm. thing is, can he make it about soccer? If he can make it about soccer in Atlanta, he's going to be more successful. If we start to get pulled into the same stuff that's occurred, you know, the the behind the scenes, pull back the curtains, power dynamics that have gone on in Atlanta, there's going to be problems. And on top of that, this roster isn't that great. It's not that great. So It's not that bad, though. Either. It's not that bad, but it's not that great. There's some fixes that are going to have to happen. Anything, if they if they start winning in this, this half of the season, that's gravy, okay? That's, that's gravy. Right. They have some fixes they have to make to the roster going into next year. If they can, again, if you can make it about soccer, if you can get those decisions right, if you can get them playing free and, and good soccer again, he's going to be fine. It's, I, I just, it hasn't been about just the soccer in Atlanta for a long time. Yeah. Well, I think part of the reason it is because the soccer hasn't been good, right? Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes <laughs> it has been, starting but, point but not for, for a while. Not for a while. Before we move on, I just want to say the one just tremendous detail from this entire like that came out on Thursday about this hire: um, the in-person meeting between Pineda and Carlos Bocanegra and Darren Eels and Arthur Blank happened somewhere off the coast of Alaska on Arthur Blank's yacht, <laughs> which. I'm willing to I'm willing to to say is probably the first time that an MLS coach has has had his interview on a yacht off the coast of Alaska or actually any soccer coach for that matter. I'll, I'll go that far. We, let's not let's not you know Roman Abramovich is the you Alaska know, maybe somewhere in the Mediterranean. Well, for him, he would say it's off the coast of Russia, not off the coast of Alaska. You think you think he's he's docking the yacht and like. You know, you never know. Maybe he's doing in, a little in, spin up in the, Vladivostok. We don't know. I, I don't want to completely Outside rule Saint it out. Petersburg, That's all I'm saying. Perhaps. What's the Arctic port? I don't even. Is it Yakutsk? I don't know. I'm just taking things from Risk, the board game right now. <laughs> this this episode of Allocation Disorder has been brought to you by Risk. <laughs> That's right. The game of world domination or something. Never start a land war in Asia. May, may Gonzalo Pineda remember that as Atlanta United head coach. Uh, so this is, you know, one of a series of moves that started kind of the coaching carousel, right? It's already happening. It's already moving. That merry-go-round is going around and around and around already. So we have Pineda in Atlanta, up in Toronto. Obviously, they dismissed Armas earlier this year. Uh, they made the news this week. Javier Perez, 
who was sort of, I don't know if he was ever technically labeled as interim head coach, um, but that was essentially his position. They announced earlier this week that he'll be the head coach for the remainder of 2021 at minimum. Um, we have some GM searches that are ongoing in San Jose in Cincinnati. So there's, you know, what is that? I guess just two jobs up for grabs right now. Maybe another one up for grabs at the end of the season. I'm sure there will be more. And Paul, you and I have done a little bit of reporting on this, on potential openings and coaches and GMs who might be coming out of contract at the end of the year, or I guess more appropriately are entering the final few months of their current contracts. So let's run them down. What you got for me? To me, Who's there, winding is, down their deals? there is one big name that I think could set off a very, very interesting offseason in the coaching and GM carousel. And that is Bob Bradley. Bob Bradley is out of contract at the end of the season with LAFC. Wow. He will be a free agent. <laughs> now, LAFC, of Maybe. course, could... I mean, they might. They, they could might extend his him. deal. They could extend yeah. his deal between now and, and then. But if they don't, he would be a free agent at the end of the season. It especially intrigues me because Toronto FC could be open. Michael Bradley is there in Toronto. His family really loves it there. You know, I, I've been up there. I wrote a story about Michael in Toronto. I know his son really loves... Uh, being in Toronto, kind of thinks of himself as Canadian. You know that could be an intriguing opening that. for Bob Bradley. Yeah, that's right. You found out you're Canadian recently. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, L- if LAFC opened up, that would make for a very interesting job coaching yeah. job. So yeah. that to me is the biggest name out there. To, sure. The second biggest name we've learned as a potential is also in LA. Dennis Teclosa, who has been the, the chief soccer officer for the Galaxy for the last few seasons, he was 2019, yeah. 2020, and now 21, is coming out of contract. Now, the Galaxy have an option that they could simply trigger, and he'll be in L.A. for another year, um, but they haven't done that yet, according to our sources. So that's another one that's interesting, because what would the Galaxy do? We've, we've, we've written, Sam, going back to 2018, I think was the first time I wrote about the balance of power and the power dynamics that existed in the galaxy when Ziggy came in and, you know, the, the fact that they have so many chefs in the kitchen, you've got Chris Klein, who's the president, you've got Jovan Karofsky, you know, they're, they've always struggled with kind of finding one vision. So if right. Dennis DeClosa were to leave, would Greg Vanny be given more power as the head coach? Would they go sign another technical director? No, no secret that Vanny's into that idea. That was part of the reason he left Toronto. Yeah, and so you have that, and then the question would become, does Dennis DeClosa become now a target right now for a team like San Jose, for a team like Cincinnati? Or, in my opinion, the most interesting one, considering his experience in the Mexican market, both with the national team and with Chivas, Houston. You know, hmm. Could he be the right fit in Houston to help pivot that franchise to focus more on the Mexican-American community, the Latin American community in Houston, and to capitalize on things that he has shown early on in LA a passion about, which is bringing the academy through a bit more, focusing on young players. That is an interesting job. And Sam, that also is a that segue into another yeah. job. What yeah. do you got there? Yeah, well, that's Houston, right? So Tab Ramos, the head coach, and Matt Jordan, the GM, they are both out of contract at the end of this year. There is, of course, new ownership in Houston who did not hire either of those guys. And those guys do not have the best record, unfortunately, for them. Um, Ted Siegel, the new owner, he came aboard in June. I talked to him, I asked him then, like a day after he came on board, which was obviously, you know, very, very early. (laughs) Um (laughs) He's like, he didn't want to get into many specifics. And he's like, you know, I'm just starting out here and this isn't specific to Tab and Matt. I want everybody in the organization to have a fair shake to succeed. I'm not sure that they've always had that. And my intention is to give them that fair shake. So, you know, we've seen Houston make a few moves since that interview, since that takeover. Uh, Most notably, you know, they signed a designated player, center back in Teenage Hedebe. Uh, It felt like more of the same in terms of their past moves in terms of the the price range and the profile and the pedigree um they paid seven hundred fifty thousand dollars and an international spot for Corey baird from lafc and they got a 22 year old panamanian international adalberto carasquia how to do there that was pretty very, good very right? good job yes. I, I speak good in espanol and in english <laughs> 
um, on loan from a Spanish second division club. So all like, you know, kind of par for the course in terms of the budgetary moves that we've seen from the Dynamo over the last five, six years. Ramos in 41 games, he's averaging less than a point a game. They've won one road game under him since Jordan took over, which was before the 2015 season. They've won 10 road games in they've played over a hundred. Um, they're 11th in the West right now. They're on an 11 game winless streak. It's the longest in club history. Basically what I'm trying to say is things aren't going great down there. Um, and I don't think anyone would be surprised if those contracts were not renewed at the end of the season. I, I think to be fair to those guys, Houston has a very low payroll and they have had one for years. Um, but as other teams have shown, that's not necessarily something that inhibits or prevents success completely makes it harder but uh yeah i don't know i don't know about the dynamo i think you know like i said i don't think anyone would be shocked if there was an opening there at the end of the year we talk about that market all the time as a sleeping giant but that does that does require spend ownership spend not just on the field in the first team but in the academy which i think we know that they haven't really taken advantage of in the same way especially of fc dallas um but I, I think if you put the right GM there with the right money, and maybe it is Matt Jordan, maybe he maybe he does need a fair shake and he does need I mean, more they, money. They've Jordan has had some success sure. there. They won an Open Cup. They made a Western Conference final. I think in what was that, 2017? I want to say. Yeah. Um, they've had good players. They've sold them, and they haven't really replaced them. So. Yeah, I mean, I think Matt Jordan would be. I think I look. I think the interesting thing is here as we go through these names. If if the Galaxy don't re-up Dennis DeClosa, I absolutely think he would get hired by a club like Houston or Cincinnati. If Houston let go of Matt Jordan, I could see Matt Jordan being a fit as a number two immediately on somebody's staff and making them better in the same way you know Ned Grabovoy has in Portland under Gavin Wilkinson, um, or or maybe landing at a club like FC Cincinnati who says, "Hey, we 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 think that the way you." We're able to manage money, you know, in Houston. It wasn't going to ever be a consistent climb up in that market, but you were able to get some peaks as you managed that budget. You know, we are spending more. Let's see what you can do. Um, it, it's interesting to me that this story, as we reported it, is that you can see already, you know, if these decisions get made in a certain way, you can start to place these pieces kind of like risk into the next territory over. Um, and, and, you know, it kind of fits that old MLS model. I I always joke about of looking at guys polo shirts at the combine to see what team they were on, um, that (laughs) year. Um, but you know, we'll see, there's more jobs opening up or potentially opening up. I shouldn't say opening up. There are more contracts coming up, more decisions to be made. Another of those decisions that need to be made is in Vancouver. Mark Dos Santos is coming out of contract. Um, you know, they haven't had much success. They've had a rough go, man. Yeah. All the Canadian teams have. So he hasn't been dealt the exactly the cleanest hand. Um, he blew it up, that roster, when he had control over it ahead of the 2019 season, his first year. It didn't work. Worked very They finished in last in the West. Last year, they actually showed some progress. You know, they made a run late in the year. They only finished one spot out of the playoffs. So it's not like they were awful last year. Um, but this year, they, they haven't been good again. And to be fair, they've had to base, they haven't played a game at BC Place yet this season. It's coming up soon, but it hasn't happened yet. Um, and it took forever for them to get their DP in. But that's not a barrier to success either, as the Rapids have sort of proved this year. Um, so, you know, it hasn't been great. He's out of contract. I wouldn't really be surprised either way with Dos Santos. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't renew. I wouldn't be surprised if they said, hey, Mark, like, we think you have something. You have had a you've had a brutal hand. It's been unfair. And we'll give you a one year kind of prove it extension and see what you got next season, um, especially with these new signings that they've made. So I don't know. Actually, as I say that out loud, that feels like the most likely thing to me. What do you think? Yeah, that makes sense to me. I, mean, I think he you know, I, I could see it going either way. It just depends, too, on. I think the relationship between Mark Dos Santos and Axel Schuster and whether Schuster wants to bring in his own guy, um, mm-hmm. you know, especially if, if he has an idea that he, sh- he could find a better option in Europe, which sometimes people who come from European backgrounds think, um, we'll see, but go with what you know, man. Yeah. Everyone uh, does it. You know, you kind of hire from within your circle. So, yeah. uh, we'll see what happens there. There is one name where I, where I do think that person will be extended who's coming out of contract at the end of the season. That's Luis Musi 
in Orlando. Yeah. yeah. You know, since he arrived from FC Dallas, obviously Orlando City had not made the playoffs in their history. I think it would have been four seasons when he arrived. They missed the playoffs that fifth season in 2019. He hired Oscar Pereja. They've turned around since. They were very good in 2020. Um, they finished fourth in the East. They were challenging They've for an better MLS Cup. They've year. been better yeah. this year. They're in second place in the East. Oscar Pereja, according to our sources, has another year left on his contract. That alone makes me think that you, at minimum, reach out and try to extend by a year or or potentially, I mean, if you really have confidence in this group, you you extend everyone at once. You extend Oscar Pereja and you mm-hmm. extend Musi. Um, from what I understand, why, why wouldn't, I mean, why wouldn't you at this point? Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I think it's the easy and smart thing to do. I think Ricardo Morera, who's yeah. the number two under Musi, who's well-respected for his eye for talent, worked under Greg Berhalter in Columbus before he went to Orlando, also out of contract. Just, just lock them all up, lock up yeah. all three. Cause if you think about it, it, you know, for me, we talk about Bob Bradley being a big time free agent. If Oscar Pereja goes into a contract year next year, yeah, you don't you don't want that. You don't want that. Idea. I mean, huh. you know, that's the one thing I think is still missing from MLS a little bit. Like in most leagues around the world, Sam, you just wrote about Jesse Marsh in in um, Leipzig, Leipzig, and and you're t- writing about Tyler Adams in Leipzig as well. And one of the you know phenomenons there is all the players go to Bayern Munich, right? All the good players around the Bundesliga, <laughs> yeah. they're all trying to beat Bayern Munich, and then. As soon as they get good enough to maybe beat Bayern Munich, Bayern Munich just buys them. The coaches. Yeah. Le- Le- I mean, Leipzig. The players. Man, their right. coach left for Bayern. Upa Meccano, their best player maybe, left for Bayern. And maybe Sabitzer now. They're another one of their top players right. might be leaving here in the next couple of weeks. So so, yeah. so you have all of that. And, and that's very normal in some ways in the movement within leagues, right? You, when you have yeah. bigger clubs and smaller clubs. I don't clubs. think it's great, by the way. No, I, I agree. Well, it's, it's, it's especially not great with Bayern because they, yeah. they are the only – Big giant Nine time reigning champion. But if you look in the Premier League and you look in the championship and you look in Serie A, you know, when you have four or five or six or seven bigger spending clubs and you have these other clubs who need different ways to generate money and funds and whatever, or have these shorter term contracts, you see coaches moving up, right? Moving up to those bigger clubs to try to reach that next level of their career. It doesn't really happen in MLS that often. You don't really see a coach perform well, very, well. Because you can take well. any club up, right? For the most part. I, I just think that that's something that we could potentially see in the future. You know, like a guy like Jim Curtin performs really well in Philadelphia with a limited budget. You know, maybe a bigger shark comes and says, you know, hey, we're LAFC. Bob Bradley is leaving to go somewhere else. We're, we're going to go hire Jim Curtin. You know, we're going right. to go hire... And I think Oscar Prey has a great example of that. You know, if he goes into the last year of his contract, you know, this is not allowed per se, but maybe there's a few (laughs) teams that are saying, hey, Oscar, if you come up out of that contract at the end of the year, we're pretty interested in you. There are ways to legally tamper. You know, maybe maybe an owner is on a preseason trip in the same city as a certain head coach and he makes a point to say hello and says he really respects his work. You know, like it maybe happens. there's something like that. Going you know, on. yeah, it happens. That yeah. kind of stuff. It happens. No, it happens. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong uh, with that. A few other names real quick before we take a break. Um, Rafa Wicke, Chicago Firehead coach. Obviously, they've had a tough go in his year and a half or plus at, at the helm. Um, he is out of contract. The Fire have an option on him. Ugh, that doesn't feel great. If I'm Rafa Wicke, uh, I'm just considering how things have gone for Chicago. Same for Yop Stom. Cincinnati has an option on him. Again, things haven't gone great there. I don't think that's necessarily all his faults. Um, but with a new GM coming in, uh, probably not feeling super awesome if I'm him. Uh, RSL, also Freddy Juarez, their head coach, also another guy in an option year. Who knows with that, man? Just given their ownership situation, I wouldn't be surprised if they just tacked, they took the option and, and just run it back because yep. if they don't have an owner, I don't think they're going to go out and hire a new Totally head coach. depends on what happens with that sale. Yeah, so so that's that's the rundown here. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back, talk Leagues Cup, talk some transfer data. We'll be right back. Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Today's episode is brought to you by our old friends, Mac Weldon. Wouldn't it be nice if we could have things both ways, like a zero-calorie cheeseburger, internet ads in March that weren't just reminders to do your taxes, a dog that never needs walking after midnight when it's cold, a Manchester United that is consistently good instead of their current scattershot approach? Well, we tend to think of clothing as an either-or situation as well. People think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort. But it's possible to have it both ways. Mack Weldon makes timeless apparel with modern performance fabrics for guys who want to look and feel sharp without sacrificing comfort. From their light-as-air underwear to innovative anti-odor tees and versatile yet comfortable pants, Mack Weldon has a full range of clothes that never go out of style. I got a few things recently, including a long-sleeve polo, which I love, uh, maybe the most comfortable t-shirt, which I also love, and my new favorite sweatpants, the Ace sweatpant. It's exactly what I described above, comfort and versatile, but still stylish. It's the type of sweatpant I can wear to pick up my kids from daycare and not think, I'm now wearing sweatpants in public. The other parents will judge me. Now I just think, judge away, nerds, because you will never be this comfortable unless you're also wearing a pair, in which case, high five. Mack Weldon is not flashy. It's just classic, always in style, and made from the world's most comfortable performance materials. They're designed to fit both your style and the demands of modern life. So get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code TSS. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com, promo code TSS to get 20% off your first order. Thank you to Mack Weldon for sponsoring today's episode. And we are back. Allocation Disorder coming to you on a Thursday. Paul, League's Cup began this week. That famous, beloved, historical tournament leagues cup between the four best mls teams that didn't qualify for the Concacaf champions league and the four best league mx teams that did not qualify for the Concacaf champions league all played all games played in the united states of course um there were three three games earlier this week uh i think there's a fourth happening maybe right now um seattle they rolled out a pretty serious lineup and they rocked tigres three nothing New York City FC, they also rolled out a pretty serious lineup. They drew Pumas 1-1 and then lost in penalties. Sporting Kansas City did not roll out a pretty serious lineup, and they got drubbed 6-1 at home by Leon. So that last game, the Kansas City game, which was actually the first game, sort of sparked a little bit of debate on social media, on Twitter, about the worthwhileness of the League's Cup as an enterprise. And I think we can start here by saying, yes, it is contrived. Yes, it got invented out of thin air. The initial edition in 2019 was like super rushed. They sprung it, I think, in like May for a July tournament. So nobody even had time to plan. <laughs> um, it comes at a time of year this season when MLS teams are already playing like every th- three days. They're playing league games. <laughs> and that was why Kansas City rotated their squad. Um, so... I think we can start there, right? It's contrived. It's it, like it doesn't really mean anything right now. But as the years go on and as these games maybe get good, it could start to mean something. And my question, I guess, is, yeah, it's contrived. But is it worth it? Like, is the goal worthwhile? Like, is the juice worth the squeeze here? Because right now it's not great. But maybe in the future it could become Yeah, something. I mean, I think it's worth it. I think if you look at why they're playing it in the United States, it shows from a business perspective why it's worth it. For Liga Mekis, not just for MLS, and probably more so in some ways for Liga Mekis. You know, they are they need to commercialize their product in the United States and take advantage of the massive audiences that tune in for their games and for the massive fan base that exists for these teams. So that to have a footprint in the United States is really important for those teams and for that league. So for them, commercially, it's extremely effective and it's extremely important and extremely worth it. Uh, for Major League Soccer, it's only worth it if the teams take it seriously. So was it worth it for Sporting Kansas City to be in the tournament this year? No, it wasn't. Will it be worth it in the long term? I think so. You know, MLS is trying to find ways, shortcuts in a way, to credibility. They, you know, we I talk about it all the time, the perception gap. 
they're trying to convince fans that this league is better than what they think it is. And, and by fans, I mean casual sports fans, casual soccer fans. And, you know, when they conduct studies, when they did the BCG study, which we talk about on this podcast all the time, or when they um, do focus groups, one of the things they talk about is is being the best league, at least regionally. And 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 so competing against Liga Mekis teams and showing that you can be competitive is important. And we know the issues that exist for MLS teams in CONCACAF Champions League and playing important games in preseason. And this was a chance to increase the number of games against Mexican teams, increase the probability of competitive games because they're one-offs instead of double legs. They're all in the United States. They're in the middle of the MLS season. Gives them a chance to be competitive. Um, and to this point, it hasn't been. So... When those teams start taking it seriously, when these rosters start to improve because of increased spending and these games actually become competitive, then yes, I think it will be worth it. Right now, it does have a feeling of, I just saw the ruckus tweet about it because Orlando City just lost one nothing uh, to Santos Laguna in the other quarterfinal. Um, you know, it, it does have the feeling of an ACC Big Ten challenge. That's kind of what it feels like right now. <laughs> man i love the acc big 10 challenge what a you know, it's always that game where northwestern beats georgia tech and and people are like i mean always that happens like twice a decade it. it always let's, let's slow down a little bit here okay bill carmody <laughs> and chris collins are undefeated in the acc big 10 challenge as far as this podcast is Oof, man this this podcast is getting even more obscure <laughs> That's that's what we needed. Bill Carmody. My goodness. If uh, if you are out there and you are a fan of Billion Dollar Bill Carmody uh, with his Einstein's cup and you know what I'm talking about, then like, please tweet at me. Like, just like tweet at me like, Sam, I know what you're I, talking about. I see you. I hear you. I have a basketball. Like, behind but me if you don't, Chris Collins, that I now every once in a while I'll look at and say, I'd like to punt this thing across the street is what I'd like to do. No one even knows. No one listening to this has it any clue. It doesn't matter. That's why. The point is, is that it doesn't matter. Just like right now, the <laughs> League's Cup doesn't matter. And in fact, I think the League's Cup is is hurting. The League's Cup is Northwestern <laughs> basketball. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, MLS is Northwestern basketball. Occasionally does something wow. to draw draw you in and then, and then immediately disappoints you. Oh, <laughs> that was so savage. <laughs> it's, it's, it's true on both counts. That's my. That's the disappointing thing with League's Cup is here's another competition where we're trying to showcase the league, trying to show that the league is making progress. And what it really is is more evidence that the league isn't making as much progress as it thinks it is. And it needs to do more. I'm not sure about I, that I just think part. You're one team. Just because they're losing one-off games in the middle of a busy well, schedule. Well, what, when, are, when are they supposed to win? They're losing Champions League games. Well, I mean, Seattle they're won. Champions Seattle League won. games. Okay, so let's get let's do one-off instead. NYCFC lost in penalties. It's coin flip. Again, you can we can keep pointing to this stuff, but they're always on the losing end. My, my, I they have they have. I don't to know. I wouldn't put much story. stock in it. I'm not putting much stock in it either direction in this case. Like if MLS beats a League MX team in League's Cup or if MLS team wins League's Cup, I don't think that means anything. And pretty much the same thing in reverse, right? If League MX teams beat MLS teams, if they beat the pants off them, if they go on and win League's Cup, then I don't think that really means anything either. Because like, look at this. Look at the timing of this tournament, man. Like what kind of message is the league sending? Like that's the thing because like I think I, I agree with you in so many ways about like is this worthwhile? Right? Like, well, Liga MX is the most popular league in the United States in terms of soccer leagues, right? If you have MLS teams beat Liga MX teams in this tournament, then it shows Liga MX fans that, hey, MLS is a pretty good league too. Maybe those fans will then become bigger fans of MLS. Maybe they'll be converts. If you have more fans of MLS, you have more money in the league. More money in the league means better players and, you know, so on and so forth, right? So I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I'm just questioning the what message it sends to these teams right because if you're peter vermes or if you're brian schmetzer or oscar pereja or ronnie dela you're one of the coaches of these four teams involved are you supposed to sacrifice league games for this right no one's gonna no one's getting it fired or get an extension or a raise or a bonus because they won leagues cup right but if you miss the playoffs your job might be in trouble. So I, that's the part of this that's hard for me, 
right? Champions League, that's a real reward. If you go out and win Champions League, yeah, you can sacrifice some league games for that because that Champions League run, that's going to pay dividends for you as an individual, as a player, or as a coach, or as a general manager, right? There's real prestige there. And right now, League's Cup is kind of in that in-between phase where it's like, there isn't the prestige yet. And like you said, like unless MLS teams take it seriously, it's never going to arrive. So it's kind of awkward. Um, and I don't really know how you solve that problem other than just like by edict, yeah, the, like from the league office that you are going to play your starters and you're going to yeah, like it. I mean, it. there is only one way to make it something that's serious and that matters. And that's playing your serious players and making the trophy matter. You know, like you have to create, you have to create it. The, the the history of the sport in this country is not long enough to make to to have a, a competition exists that that has always been there or that I mean even even in Europe those things were created Champions League didn't always exist yeah I mean you got to start you so got to start there somewhere. has to be yeah. a, a real incentive they have to treat it you know like Europa League they have to say this is a, a real chance for you to prove something if you weren't good enough to make it to Champions League it's not there yet. And it's not going to be when Sporting Kansas City trots out its USL side at home to get smashed 6-1. And that makes it a lot harder for the next year's cup to be taken seriously. Well, I think think we saw MLS teams take this one more seriously than they took the first version. Right with three of them. Actually, I I haven't even seen Orlando's lineup, but I saw that Nani was playing. So so with three of them taking it seriously and one of them winning, right? That's progress, I guess. So maybe maybe give it two, three, four, five years. I guess my next question is, d- does MLS have the patience to actually oh, yeah. stick it out? Oh yeah, right? they have the patience because this is this is a well, bubble. I mean, we this is a, we tried this, this once before. Bubble. This is Superliga. Yeah, but now they that? have a real they have a real days? incentive to. Man, Superliga had a real incentive. They had a million dollars cash and a briefcase for the yeah. winner. <laughs> I'm not no, making that they up. They have That's an real. incentive to try to drive more interest between these two leagues and they have an incentive in that they need to expand the fan base and the way you again this is a way to expand the fan base this is a way to reach mexican-american audience um, or mexicans in the united states who watch these teams to draw to draw them in i mean i was at a game it's a tv property to sell property to sell with real tv audiences that tune in um, you know, mm-hmm. all of those things matter. And and I, I I brought this up before, but I was out at in Bridgeview when the fire played in this in the first year. Um they the played they played Cruz the Azul. Year. And the stadium was packed with Cruz Azul fans. Packed. Yeah. If yeah, that's well, what it takes to draw what is them the, in. What has that ever gotten anyone? No, but though? you need to start <laughs> trying to get people to your stadium in whatever ways that you can. Whether it's fill the bowl in Orlando or whether it's stuff like this, and then you entertain them. That's important too. You know, you bring them yeah. in and then you entertain them with good soccer. And there is good soccer in this yeah. league. There is occasionally good soccer in this league. And <laughs> what did you say five minutes ago? Not only ago is about? there occasionally good soccer, <laughs> there's occasionally really bad but entertaining soccer. That's my favorite kind of MLS. <laughs> yeah. It's the best kind. I mean, you know, that's San Jose, Vancouver. That's entertainment, baby. Yeah, baby. So NYCFC Orlando in the playoffs. I am last disappointed. Year. I was disappointed. I I got a text message from somebody. I was out having a, you know, a nice glass of wine with a friend, and I got a text message from somebody who's like a casual soccer fan in this country, who had tuned in, who had turned was flipping through channels and saw Liga MX team playing an MLS team. And said, this Sporting Kansas City team is trash. MLS is trash. And I was like, <laughs> dang. You know, like that, that's missed a opportunity. opportunity. Yeah. I mean, it's totally anecdotal and it's yeah. one person. But like, that's the result. Like, that's the demographic it's just, that you're like, looking that's the for. Te- but that's the tension, though. Because it's not... Why should Peter Vermes have to carry the the, the torch for Everyone the league? Everyone like does, man. Everyone you know? who works in the league has to carry the torch for I, the league. I That's know, but but it's not. But it's coming at a cost to these four teams, right? And like, is that a fair sacrifice to ask them to make? Like, this is supposed to be a reward for finishing high in the table. I don't know. I see it as like kind of like a punishment. It's a burden. You got to make the trophy matter somehow. I don't know. You, I, what else do you I say? You got to so. make it matter. You got to make it have some prestige. You got to make it like like Atlanta United. They, they've tried right with with Speaking Campeones good. Cup. That's right. They celebrated it like it was the Campeones League. 
Um, I don't know. It's it, like, I don't hate that the league is trying it. I really don't. Like, I think it makes sense to try stuff like this. It's just tough. There's pros and cons to it. And I understand why coaches and individual teams might not want to throw out their best players, especially this time of year in this particular season, when you're looking at a game every three days for the next few months, you know, and it's summer and all these guys have heavy loads and so on and so forth. So I don't know. I, if I'm a coach, I wouldn't want to sacrifice and risk injury to my guys who are going to get me hired and or fired right in the games that really matter down the line because like can you imagine if, if one of these big stars gets hurt in league's cup and is out for the rest of the year like if alan Polito goes yeah, I mean, down you know you know max every time you take the field so um, what are you gonna it what is gonna it is it's like but it's like, like when Atlanta i would feel crappy robinson got hurt when he was away at national team camp and then held him out of every single olympic qualifier and non-necessary release and it was like <laughs> it's like the most childish reaction ever. They're, you're not the first team in the world to have a player get hurt during international window. Get over it. That's how I feel about that. And that's how I feel about if you got hurt. Oh, if you get hurt during League's Cup. If you're scared of getting hurt, don't take the field at all. Don't take the field in a yeah. mid-league league game. Don't Tell take them. the field in a League's yeah. Cup. Yeah. So get out of here with that soft stuff. <laughs> yeah. League's Cup matters. All right. Got it. Point taken. Paul. I'm just saying. Don't Relax. tell me to pay attention to it. And then get smashed six one with your USL team. That's what I'm talking about. With they 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 draw yeah. you in. They draw you in. They tell us. They tell yeah, us. Vermes had some quotes. They tell us that. Yeah, Vermes had some quotes pregame. Pay attention. Yeah, to Yeah, we're gonna. They try tell our best. us that stuff. Yeah. They tell us, and they and they tell the journalists before the season. League's Cup is gonna matter more. There's a real emphasis on from the league. The owners came out and said it. Merritt Paulson was tweeting about it. League's Cup, you're gonna see. It's very serious competition. And then that happens. That's <laughs> Northwestern basketball. They're drawing you in, and then what happens? Nothing. Nothing's on the end of the line, folks. <laughs> they lose. It's not exciting. They lose. Every it's, game, they it's lose. It's not fun. What? And you're just, just an miserable. idiot if you continue getting just sucked miserable. in. <laughs> hey, they made the tournament once. I had That's a great time in, in On Salt that Lake note. City. Great time. On that note, let's take a break. We'll be right back with some transfer chatter. Some, I don't know. We'll see what we get into. <laughs> Hey folks, this is Taylor from the Total Soccer Show reminding you that we are inching ever closer to the start of the summer transfer window, which means there are teams that will buy and sell their players early, there are teams that will leave that business very late, and there are teams that will operate in between. But no matter what, it's going to be a chaotic situation, there's going to be offers coming through willy-nilly, there's going to be transactions to be tracked and processed and make sure that enough money is there, there's going to be probably angry clubs calling to complain, there are many things to deal with, and unfortunately for those clubs, there is no sort of business tool that makes things easier, makes transactions simpler, gets the business done efficiently and effectively, but for the small businesses around the globe, there is such a service, Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek kits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And I really appreciate that about Shopify. No matter how big you are, no matter how fast you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States, and Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. That's as many countries as will be selling players in the transfer window this summer. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash TSS, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash TSS now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash TSS. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. And we are back again. Third and final segment of today's, this week's show. Let's talk a little bit about transfer data. We we hinted at this a little bit last week and maybe even the week before, but I decided to dive into the numbers and actually figure it out, see if it actually bore fruit. So the transfer market is down all across Europe. You know, it's picked up a little bit here in recent weeks. Jack Grealish going to Man City for a hundred million uh, pounds, I believe. Um, the messy move, obviously freeing some things up and creating some dominoes. Maybe Harry Kane's going for 150 mil, perhaps. That's the latest rumor to Man City. So, so things are happening now, but it has been slow over in Europe, much, much slower than a usual summer. It has not been slower in MLS, interestingly enough. I went back and I looked at the last five summer transfer windows, secondary transfer windows, which of course just ended last week for MLS. MLS teams spent about $50 million this summer, Paul. That's roughly double the amount, the second closest amount that they spent in any of the previous four summer windows. Uh, the high, the previous high was in, in 2019. Um, 2020, when the pandemic hit, less than $20 million spent on transfer fees. And this is transfer fees only, loans not included. And the data is pulled from transfer market and from some reporting that I've been doing. So... It's kind of wild. MLS is like the only league in the world that has seen an uptick in summer spending. And it's not just an uptick. It's two and a half times the previous the previous summer's amounts. And there's a few reasons that go into this. But, Paul, what's your kind of like immediate reaction? Well, to my, my immediate reaction is it's, the, it's young money. That's my immediate reaction. There are more slots that owners can go and spend. And this is indicative of the fact that there have been a number of owners in the league who have been waiting to spend more and haven't been allowed to, and now they're allowed to. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing is that... Let me, let me put some numbers yeah, on yeah, that before ahead. you move on. Uh, there were six young money signings this summer, by my count, uh, for a total of $18.75 million. So if you take the previous next highest total, which was like 26, and you add 18.75, well, then you're at 44, nearly 45, and then you're almost at the 50 million total right there so just to illustrate what paul was saying it is young money there are a few other things too but yeah, it's it young, is money young money and it's the fact that major league soccer is an is a league of billionaires and most leagues in the world are not and that financial strength is i think the biggest of course it is the biggest asset this league has what's interesting sam i think you and i were having a conversation about this the other day um i think and it's, you know, it's what's interesting. <laughs> they all I, bleed know, together. My brain's not working, as you know, Sam. Um, you speak I, I good, Occasionally though. speak good. Um, never write good. But speak good occasionally. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that it's amazing to me that we're when you look around the league and you look at the amount of money that's been spent in Major League Soccer over the last, let's say, since 2015, yeah. the amount of money that's been spent on expansion fees, the amount of money that's been spent on stadiums, the amount of money that's been spent on training facilities, mm-hmm. billions of dollars. Yeah. And that's before you even get to the Argentine yeah, League. Yeah. <laughs> billions of dollars spent on infrastructure. It's almost funny how little is spent on the actual product on the field comparatively. These owners yeah. have billions of dollars hundreds of millions of dollars they're willing to spend that they are yeah, they spending, got it in their couch they cushions. are spending it yeah and understandably <laughs> you know you look at that a lot of those are real estate plays with the stadium you know you you know that drives a lot of revenue whereas the players don't but at a certain point you have to start to wonder if you have all of these billionaire owners who are capable of spending and they're building these facilities that are better than many 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 places around the world at some point, when are you going to start filling them with players who are equal to or approaching the level of those facilities? And so when I think about young money, I, I've, I've been kind of the, the more realistic or negative person here about the let's just preaching caution, give these kids some time to develop. You know what? But what I what I see here is this trend. I see this trend of owners wanting to spend the moment they're given yeah. a chance to spend more. They do. They, they run rush into and they it. They go yeah. and do it. 
And so give them more chances to spend. Add more uncapped spaces. Get rid or, or increase the cap significantly. You know, and lose yeah. lose some of the restrictions that lose the buckets, the buckets. That exist. Yeah. Give these owners the freedom that they're looking for that will give yeah. you the opportunity to make this league better. How much better we don't yeah. know, but better for sure. Yeah. Um one other thing that I wanted to add just on kind of why the transfer spend went up this season. I think a lot of it has to do with the schedule and the fact that it was so much later um the season start. Basically, you could buy a guy at the start of the summer window, and you could have him for 20 games, right? Whereas in the past, if you bought a guy at the start of the summer window, you might have him for 15 tops, right? Whereas that's what you're getting 17 if you buy him at the end of the window in the summer. So I think that made a difference too. But I don't know. It's interesting. Depending, depending on the yeah. visa process. depending on, It's not... Depending on the visa process. Now. For and sure, I think also the, sure. the where the window fell... You know, because it fell later in the European season, it opened things up where teams were a little bit more willing to sell players early in the window for MLS teams. That that mattered too, I think. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but it's interesting because I've been reading a lot of the coverage around this messy PSG signing, right? And a lot of it, there's ancillary stuff kind of about financial fair play and UEFA and regulation, how much is too much and how much is not enough and where do you split the middle ground? And I think MLS has a good system, man. They just need to like allow a little bit more freedom. They have the safeguards yeah. in place. And you can keep the safeguards yeah. in place while still kind of expanding and like allowing more spending while keeping some safeguards in so that teams don't overspend into oblivion or so that teams don't, you know, uh, some don't run away with the entire league, right? Because I don't think that's an attractive thing for me or you or anybody oh, else. So much to this. Like the, the, they have so much wiggle room. Yeah, I know. But it's like it, they have the foundation, they have the structure, they have the construction, and like, when are they gonna just put the pedal to the metal, man? Put it, put it to, put the pedal to the metal, baby. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just, I agree with you. They, they slam it, slam the accelerator. Easy now because the rules are in place. It's a lot harder to put on a salary cap, right? To convince every team after the fact, salary yes. cap is the right yes. way to go because Bayern Munich doesn't want a salary cap. Barcelona, Real Madrid, they don't want a salary cap. Manchester City doesn't want a salary cap. They want no, the status quo might. to stay. They just want, right? it, they just they want, want the really Super high. League. Yeah. If, if, if they choose the Super League over that, I think. But MLS has a salary cap. Now you can play with where that salary cap goes and what it looks like and, and start to ease some of these restrictions where, again, you still have, the, like you said, you have the protections in place, but you have limitations that keep things competitive, that keep owners from going getting in over their heads and you know it would be difficult for m most owners in this league to get in over their head let's put let's, let's be honest yeah. here it so I, I just think you know to me what this is a sign of is owners want to spend and when the league gives them a chance some of them. So, sorry some i should clarify some owners want to spend and and even owners some owners who don't want to spend are spending because when you have the chances to do it and your opponents are doing it, it forces you to do it. That's the real reason why we don't see the movement because there are limitations to what those owners who don't want to spend want to be, want to have to be forced into, right? They're like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go with three more young players where if I spend like a million bucks here, my family, yeah, will yeah, be yeah. Happy. it's always me in the you middle. Know? It's always, that's me in the, the middle. real problem. Yeah. But at a certain point, well, and they can stay, they can stay competitive while controlling costs and like, whatever it is, what it is. This is something that we've talked about ad nauseum, but like, I don't know. You look at this league's cup thing and you look at the CCL and like Philly's going to go play America and like Philly's budget is probably like 10% of club America's and like, what are they going to do tonight? They're probably just going to sit back and like pray that Sergio Santos scores on the break. Like we're still doing this. Like how many years it's been? It's been 10 years since RSL should have beat Monterey in the final. And MLS still hasn't really made a ton of progress in this competition, you know? And it's just like, all right, like, we're, like, taking the most minuscule of minuscule steps. Like, can we just, like, make that stride and a little bit longer? And money's a big deal, right? We we have had different people telling we'll us, see, or, man, or some like, people believe it is. Like, there, I was just going to say, we have... I mean, it, it is a big it is a big deal, but how much is that going to raise the level? That's the question. That's right? the question. Like, and it's it's like, kind of like a trial balloon on this. And and that's the frustration of... It of sort of is, but, but MLS teams have been it. MLS teams have been using these these deep DP spots on guys like this, you know, young guys from South America or Latin America, and and how many have come in and really done well, and how many have come I mean, in and been we've sold talked on. about this before. Not how that many, many young. 
How many young money eligible players have come to the league in a DP spot and been successful? Oof, one. I don't know. I, I can think of, I can article, think of right? one off the top of my head. Diego Rossi. Would he have qualified? He came in at twenty-one. Uh, I guess he I, was right on the border. I guess his salary would have yeah, been too Yeah, he doesn't even count. So Fabian Castillo is the one I can think of. He and it took him three years. Hmm. I'm sure there are others. We'll have to go back, but There's that's the be. one who I think would fall in. Maro Diaz fall into the salary maybe? range and the age range. I think Maro Diaz would too. Um. Anyway, now you it's got been me thinking. a long while since those guys. You know, it's hard to do it. It's hard to do it at this age, and that's why. Yeah, it's a good. It's a good thing that they're investing more money. It's a good thing that they're trying to find young players that they can sell. It'll be a good thing if they start to sell some of these players successfully. We haven't seen mm-hmm. it happen yet. No, and it's not a bad idea. It's just like it's just another you know, bucket just, with so, another arbitrary restriction on it. Yeah. Instead of just saying, "Hey, owners, you want to spend more money? Okay, you have three more." But but hey, spots. Paul, they are that's, spending more money, unlike great. everyone else in the world. And, and right? hey, we so, t- that's what we hope to see coming out of COVID too, because we knew that yes, this league yes. has the financial strength to do it Mm -hmm. and now they are right and they're just doing it in the weird convoluted very restrictive mls way give us more and and (laughs) and that's you know just more rules place more rules that's all we need um all right well i think on that note uh this has been an an episode (laughs) of allocation disorder um i don't know if we spoke good or not but we tried uh thanks so much for listening thanks for sticking with us i'm sam stay school he's paul tenorio we'll be back next week